try to correct myself, but that was a wonderful time. It was just not the guy that brings all the things back. But, um, so thanks for making me emotional right away. If I cry, I'm going to blame it on you. Um, and all the moments of great emotion and people that we don't want to have to have cried for me, it's all your fault. Um, so to introduce myself again, I've met many of you. Uh, many of you have also met my wife. My name is Brian Inbauer. Um, I grew up just south of Hannibal in New London. We have a New London address since uh, Hannibal High School there graduated in 
to understand that he has given us talents and gifts as individuals, that he has placed you in this spot, in this time, in this place for a reason, and that his sovereignty is shown in the diversity of who is here, that his sovereignty is shown in the different occupations we have, that his sovereignty and his power and his wisdom is shown in each individual. And that it's not about one person. It's not about one gift. It's not about one activity that we do. But it is about how he has joined us together as a family. How he has joined us together as a body. And so what I want to talk about this morning is how do we do that? How do we be the body of Christ? How do we step out into a community? How do we step out into a county or counties? How do we step out into a state and into a world that desperately needs to hear about Jesus Christ? That desperately needs the gospel? How do we do that as a God-given world in a way that they identify as being different and in a way that they identify as being something that they want and desire? So hopefully by now you've had an opportunity to get to Corinthians. Um, Again, I'm going to read out of 12. Um, I'm going to start a little earlier. Um, A habit of mine um, when I preach um, is when we read the Word of God um, that we stand. Um, This is out of respect for the word. Um, This is a bit in the Old Testament from Wally's writing. So if you are able, I would ask that you stand. Um, If you are not, no one's going to judge you, but um, I would appreciate it. So let's read. I'm actually going to start in verses 12, and we'll be reading most of those in 25. So it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized in one, into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consent, consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And then the verses that we're going to concentrate on today, 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body we think are less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unrepresentable parts are treated as dirty objects, which are more presentable parts do not belong. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacks, that there may be no division members may seek to have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and what a thing it is to be able to come before the throne of the creator of the universe. What a thing it is to be able to come before our Lord Jesus Christ and worship him sing praises to him, to know that our sins have been forgiven, that we can stand in confidence before him and pray to him and know that you listen and know that you hear our prayers. Father, we pray this morning, Lord, that you would pour your spirit out on this place, that you would continue to be present here with us. 
Lord, that your word would speak to our hearts, that it would change us, that we would not be like the man who looked in the mirror and not look what he looked like, but rather we would see ourselves in the word and that you would change us in a way that honors you. Father, we pray um, that you would remove me from the picture, God, that my shortcomings, Lord, that my personality is what would be pointed forward, God, and your word would be exalted by that, and your word would change us into the shape that you want us to be. Whenever I think about this passage, for me, I'm, I'm a sports guy. Um, I love sports. I love playing sports, so you may not be able to tell that. I could probably run, run about 100 feet, and then I would have to stop. Um, but I, I love playing, and I, I especially love watching. Um, one of the sports that I really love is baseball. Um, and so when I think of this passage and I think about the body, I think about the body, but I also think about a team because we relate to that. Okay, We're not all doctors. We all don't understand this. We all have bodies. But... We think about a team, and you can imagine if a relief pitcher went to the manager and said, you know what, I'm no longer part of this team. I don't want to be here because I'm not a starter. We have a name for people like that, okay? You kind of know what I'm thinking, okay? Or let's say the first baseman looks at the DH, the designated hitter or a bench player, and says, you know what, I'm a first baseman. I've got this covered. You just stay put, okay? There's going to be problems on that team. There's going to be issues, okay? Another one I, I, I thought about this morning as I was preparing was football um, as the season has started and everybody's getting ramped up for it. If the quarterback were to look at the left tackle and say, you know what, buddy, you're a nobody. You have no name. You have nothing. You get paid like pennies on the dollar what I get paid. Why don't you just go sit on the sideline and I'll just handle this? That quarterback's lifespan will be shortened, okay? Either the left tackle himself will kill him or the other team is going to punish that per- poor guy, and he's going to have a concussion before the year's even started. All right? You know what? The same is true of the body of Christ. The same is true of the church. Two things were happening in the church of Corinth that were ripping it apart. Many things actually were happening in the church of Corinth. But one thing in particular that was really driving this church apart was that some people were saying, you know what, because I have this spiritual gift, I, have, I am superior to everyone else. But the sad thing was, other people were buying that. Not only did you have people saying, you know what, I'm better than you are. Don't worry about it. You're not at my level. You also had people that were in that church who were saying, you know what, because I don't have that gift, why even try? I don't belong here because I don't have that gift. I don't... I shouldn't be doing ministry because I can't speak in tongues or because I don't have the gift of evangelism or because I don't preach. I shouldn't even be involved in ministry. I should just let them do it. And Paul is saying here in this passage and in this chapter, no, 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 no. Just because you don't have that gift, that doesn't mean that you don't get to sit on the side. That doesn't mean you get to sit on the sidelines and just watch. That just means you have a different gift. And so, as we think about what it means to be the body, I think there are three things in this passage that that Paul really tries to push out and tries to show us so that we can better understand what it means to be a unit, what it means to be a team. The first thing I think we see is in the first few uh, few verses there of 21 through 24, 
talks about there, and I'll just reread part of it. It says, the eye cannot say to the hands, you have no need. I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And then on the contrary, the parts of the body that you need are indispensable. Okay? So just because you have a gift that the world outside may deem as less valuable, that doesn't mean anything. You are indispensable. The Lord has placed you. And so the first thing that I see here is that we all have value. That if you are a member of this church, if you are a member and a believer of the universal church, that you have value. That the Lord sees you the same way that he sees the person sitting next to you. That he sees you the same way that he sees me. That he sees the person that takes care of the team at Warriors the same way he sees you and me. Or that if, if, if we have home bank, family, the same way he sees you and me. They are still part of the church. All of us have a place. There's a book that I love. It's, um, it's called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made by a doctor named Paul Brand. Paul Brand served in India as a missionary. He also served in Louisiana in the United States. And um, he worked primarily with leprosy. And he was one of the ones that discovered that leprosy is not so much about damage to the skin, but it's actually the dying of the condition that causes all of that to happen all over the place, deforming the habits. But he makes a comment in his book um, that I want to read to you just really fast. He says, this fact of the body, the worth of each its parts, is graphically revealed by the use of the same. The failure of one type of cell can bring on tragic consequences. One who studies the vast quantity of cells and their startling diversity can come away with the sense that each cell is easily expendable in as little time. But the same body that impresses us with its specialization and diversity also affects that each of its many members is valuable and also essential to its the survival. Later he says, although, although I seldom feel consciously grateful for them, those cells, they perform daily functions that can't be stopped. And without that contribution, the body would not function as I think about this church, as I think about each one of you, as I think about my home church in Calvary and Hannibal, I think about the individual members. I think about the people that are here. I think about the faces that I see. And I think about the talents and the gifts that God has given you. He has made given you a specialty. Just as the heart cell has a specialty, just as the brain cell is special in its way that it acts, just as the optic nerve has a special function, God has given you something that makes you unique. And therefore, you have value. No matter what that job is, no matter what that cell is, no matter who that person is. In fact, it's our diversity that shows off the greatness and the grandeur of our that he chose us to be us. That he chose us as individuals to be seen in this time, in this place, so providently. And if we choose to see ourselves as less than that, if we choose, not in a prideful way, not in a grandiose way, but if we choose to see ourselves as valuable and having a place here, if we choose to see value, value in others, then what happens is we are directly honoring the God that we have set before. We are directly honoring his sovereignty and his power and his grace. So 
if we want to be the church, if you want to be the church that impacts, that is able to go out into the community and make a difference, to be able to meet the goals and the vision that the Lord has had, then we have to be able to show value to them, whether they are members here or whether they are members in the world. The second thing that I see here is that we we need to be united. Looking at verses 24 and 25, it says, um, I'm going to start actually in the middle of 23 because that's the part. Um, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body he composed it. He put it together. He created you. He drew you in grace. He put you here for this purpose. He has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Why? Because That there may be no division in the body. Christ talked about during his last moment with the disciples. He gives them a new commandment in John 13, 31. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it. Or 13, I'm going to start in 32. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. And then skipping down to 34, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my, my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus could have told them anything. Jesus could have said, you will be known by how you evangelize. You will be known by the message. He could have said, you will be known by your giving. You will be known by your buildings. You will be known by whatever, your music. But he doesn't say that. He says, you will be known by how you love one another. He puts emphasis on our relationships. That's what people will that's what the outside world looks at and they say, I don't have someone that loves me like that. Because guess what? We're all screwed up. We all have come up short. We all disappoint one another. We all have failures. We all have things that we're embarrassed of that we try to hide. And yet this is the place that is supposed to be a safe zone. This is a place where broken people can come and be loved in a way that they can't get out there. Jesus says that is what they will see. That is what will make a difference. How do we do that? What does that look like? It means we are quick to forgive. Guess what? People screw up. It's a reality. People make mistakes. People do stupid things. Sorry for any sort of memory cancel pastor that I have. Your pastor actually do dumb things. You know what? Our response is to be our response is to say, you know what? Yes, you screwed up. Yes, that hurts. It's real. It's right there. I can see the scars. But I have been forgiven of something far greater than you have ever done to me. And so I choose to forgive you. That blows people's minds. But it's what forgives second, we should be quick to embrace. There will always be visitors. There will always be people here in Vandalia, in this church, in this area who don't know Christ, who are coming to him, that God is trying, pulling and trying
them to know him better. We need to be equipped. You need to be equipped to fit into the Rome culture, to embrace them to say, we are welcome here, we are safe here, we love you quite well. Let us help you to better fit into the Rome culture. Three, we must be quick to respond, and we can't hide them in our next generation. But life's not goes up lately, and I just picked up the wrong people. My phone's over in the corner. So I'm going to try to pull it together here because Calvary's been through some of this, and this verse has some special meaning to us. Life is difficult. We can all recognize that. Christ does not call us to a life of ease. Christ does not say, hey, once you follow me, guess what? Everything gets better. All your worries go away. All the things that are in your life that are hard now are suddenly going to magically disappear. That's not what happens when you become a Christian. In fact, he tells us that the world hated me, so they're going to hate you. And guess what? People hate you back. I know what it's like to walk down the street. <laughs> well, walk down the street is not a that far because there's like a mob out there. But it's not a nice thing to walk down the street, okay? They hate the French people. And because I'm white, they automatically assume that that's nice. Guess what? You guys are gonna you guys are going through, have been through, are going to go through things worse than that. There's gonna be suffering. There's gonna be difficulty. There's gonna be loss. There's gonna be jobs that don't come through. There's going to be people that disappoint you. There are gonna be times when you don't understand what's going on, or the people around you don't about more than just building we need to be about living life together we need to be about setting up people to do work and ministering to them in ways that make us feel sorry seems like I don't do that uh, we need to be about ministering to people when it makes us feel uncomfortable same time, because we do that well, because we rally to people well who are in need, guess what? It makes the next part of this even more sweet. 
when God chooses to honor, when someone is honored in our midst, we get to rejoice with them. I have many friends who have struggled. Can't hear that, but thank you. Um, I have many friends who have struggled that way. The reality of life. Thank you. 
dark and I came back and did my business, um, that I should have told her about the incident, and I apologized and everything. The next day, my pastor comes to my house, and my Malagasy pastor says, how dare you not tell us that your grandfather died? How dare you? And he was legitimately, like I thought I was going to get the whole Lazarus thing, that there was going to be a brother from Brittany who was going to go to Kansas City. Like, because they understood me weakly. They understood the value of what I talked about with them. About being able to bear one another's burdens. And the blessing of it is, is it hurts your opportunity to deal with him with whatever he has said. Maybe all of this sermon doesn't apply to you, but maybe there's one thing that the Lord has put in your heart and said, that's the one thing I wanted you to hear this morning. That's the one thing that I'm dealing with in Christie right now.
come before you this morning and I'm so incredibly grateful that you have first loved me. That you have first loved us even though we were dead in our sin, even though we were in rebellion, even though the Bible calls it, says that we were enemies of God, you saw us and you loved us. That like the father of the prodigal son, you ran towards us and you embraced us. That with the blood of your own son, you changed us. You put us in a new robe, took the ring off your finger, you put it on us, identified us as your sons and daughters. What an incredible thing to be adopted by the Father. Father, we pray this morning as a congregation, Lord, that we would be a church that shows love, that we would be a church that shows unity, that we would be a church that values each other and cares for one another.